Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Home Matters Podcast. I'm Randy Brock alongside Ron Whiteman. And Lynn Whiteman. <laughs> we nailed it. We nailed we it off did. the start today. I didn't even tell you what I was going to do to start off this podcast. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We're going to talk about a, a random bit of real estate stuff today. It's just the three of us. We're going to talk a bit about remodeling and uh, maybe some other stuff, like what's new. Have you checked out any new movies lately? <laughs> we could, yeah, we could do a whole new movie review. It's right. just, it, really it is the that. season where all the big movies are, oh, are released, yeah. so we've we been doing be a couple. We could be the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> we could be the Rotten Tomatoes, although I'm not good because everything I see I like, so I wouldn't be a good critic. Oh, that's not true. You saw one the other night you didn't like. Uh, anyway, we, yes. won't, we won't go there. We'll get in the weeds. That's what's been so nice about Thanksgiving is you get a little bit of a break. We've all had time with our families. We had a chance to get out and see some movies. I enjoyed Mr. Roger, the Mr. Roger movie. Yes. Uh, I can't even remember exactly what it's called. It's just, I call it the Mr. Rogers movie. It's fantastic. Uh, something um, about neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Somebody right now is yelling at their radio. Yes. <laughs> They're listening in the car. And we'll remember the minute we pause the record button. <laughs> uh, but the Mr. Rogers movie was good. And, uh, even more coming out. Yeah, anyway. Soon. It was really good. The other one that's really good is Ford versus Ferrari. That was, we liked that. We did. That yeah. was good. So there, we're movie reviewing. <laughs> now we should move on. <laughs> I'm feeling the pressure. Are you Are you getting a little uh, You don't have any uneasy? more movies? I'm starting to sweat here. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of being uneasy and talking about life stuff, new developments in the Brock House lately is we. my youngest son just got braces. First oh. in our well, my wife had braces when she was his age, when she was thirteen, but this is going to be at least two years probably in braces for him. He's got some corrective work, so he's we have to, I have to do the key every night. So he's got uh. this the piece of metal across the roof of his mouth, and every night we've got to not every other night have to twist it, and that hurts. Turn it to tighten tighten things up a little bit. It's yeah, kind of like bringing in. It's bit. kind of like bringing in a Boeing Foundation where you go down that big wrench and tighten it up. <laughs> I know, and I feel so bad for him. He, he told me he was just fine yesterday. I had an appointment yesterday evening, and he texted me and he said, "I can't eat anything. It hurts because it's so the hard oh, metal absolutely. in his mouth that he's getting yeah. used to." So anyway, we're going to be eating a lot more soft foods. Well, and have empathy because it is very oh, painful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's very painful. Well, it's painful on his mouth and it's painful on your wallet. I mean, you have to go sell another house or Thank two. Thank goodness my wife has a health savings account. Yes. So we were able to plan for that. And uh, that's pretty much all. We can't get sick or get hurt next year. We're taking, right, we're right. taking care of the braces. <laughs> my goodness. Um, <clears throat> so, what are we going to talk about today, Lynn? We're going to talk about remodeling. Okay. Because it's a. It's a conversation that we have all the time with people as we're out and about and um, doing business is, do I remodel? Do I do this update? Do I, do I, do I? And so we're going to spend just a little bit of time talking about what makes sense and what doesn't make sense and when is the right time to do that? When's the right time to get your agent involved? Um, my my instinct on that is right away. If you if you are contemplating thinking about selling within the next um, you know three years, and yeah. you have a big project that you really want to do before you do that project, you know, call one of us, have us come by, let us brainstorm with you whether or not the value of that project is going to come back to you. If you're going to stay longer and you just simply want it for use and enjoyment, then 
that's a different conversation. But if you're going to sell and you're contemplating a big project, give us a call. We'd be happy to come by and just visit with you about that a little bit. The other interesting factor is um, we live in, you and I were talking to an appraiser a couple days ago about this. We happened to meet him in a coffee shop, and we live in a very conservative, um, and I mean that in a good way, area. But if you are contemplating these types of projects based on what you're seeing on an HGTV program or a relative's house that's been remodeled on the West Coast, Mm Um, also another reason to get a second or even a third opinion on, on what you're thinking because you don't want to bail off into something that would be perceived as off the beaten path for this community yeah. and then turn around and try to sell or expect to sell in two or three years and get your money back on that if, if, if you weren't making the right decisions mm-hmm. for this environment because we are pretty traditional. And we do have that conversation when we're working with buyers of how long is this investment. Are you going to be here two or three years? Are you going to be here five to ten years? Because if you're going to be in a house for two to three years, it is more important that you think about marketability mm-hmm. than it is that that house meets all your check boxes. If you're going to be there five to ten years, then you want to make sure that all as many of the check boxes are completed as possible before you write a purchase agreement. So we do talk about that as well. How long you're going to be in the house and what is the investment? Often people will say to us, well, this is my forever house, I'm never moving. Well, forever and never are two very, very big words that, you know, as a rule in this community, people move every three to five years. So you have to, t- you have to look at your investment differently it's more of a short term, and you and you want to make sure it's going to market well. Ten years down the road, you you have use and enjoyment that you just need to be able to relax and enjoy your home. There isn't a whole lot more out there right now that could hurt your expectations more than just watching HGTV all oh. the time yeah. <laughs> and getting everything in a thirty-minute, you know, with commercials. So you're probably it's not even fifteen to twenty minutes, and thinking that you could pull that off on either low budget. Right. or yourself, or make it look like what they do on those. Nothing happens in that short of a window. You know, Nothing. HGTV has probably um, influenced our industry more than the Internet did um, because we started doing everything electronically. But people, people have lost sight of um, a house with just good bones, the house will not blow down. The house has a good roof. It has a good furnace. It has good windows. You know, don't don't be sidetracked by by paint and aesthetics because you can do that later for not very much money. Mm-hmm. But when you find a house that someone has loved all its life and that thing has great bones and all of the major things taken care of and done, that's your better investment than something that has the right paint colors and new light fixtures. It is an interesting observation that the influence that it's had over our, I'll say, the real estate industry. And I get the appeal. I don't mean to be hard on that programming because they play it everywhere. I mean, if I go into play, Donate Blood, they're showing mm-hmm. it there. We go into closings, they're showing oh, yeah. it there. Yep. And you do get caught up momentarily uh, with, the, with, the, with the lights and the glamour and all the fun things that are happening. 
But then from our perspective, it is so far, like you're saying, from mm-hmm. reality. It's just amazing. So it, it has had, a, I'll say, a pretty profound impact on the way that, that the average consumer views real estate transactions. Absolutely. Right. Well, we, I mean, we, we look at houses all the time and people move in and I'm thinking about a buyer who moved in and they were so excited to redo this because HGTV made it look like you could do it in a weekend. And they've probably been in the house three years and they, to- they tore out the center island in their kitchen mm-hmm. and stopped. Mm-hmm. And so now they have this kitchen oh. <laughs> with no center island. So they were motivated and the then boom. flooring is a mess. Well, it's just a lot more work than people think. Yeah. It's not as simple as because once you start, you also have to go, where do I stop? And the project gets much bigger than you're oh, expecting. Yeah. Now, they did buy an IKEA table to fill the space. Oh, there's an IKEA table. <laughs> a placeholder and a hole in the floor. And I hope yeah. they're not listening because we're not laughing at them. They are they are in the majority. Absolutely. People yeah. get started on these projects, and they usually finish them just before the for sale sign goes in the yard because they have to wrap it up to put yeah. their house back. And, and it's okay guys. if they are listening. They would laugh, too. Yeah. They, they know. Yeah. yeah. certainly helps to have a production crew of 25 people who are professional contractors yep. to come in and help you flip your house in 30 minutes. Exactly. See, the yeah. expectations, that's TV. That's not real life. Real yeah. life is it takes cash and it takes time and everybody's busy. And the other piece of it that we were talking about before we started recording is they never show the piece where the owners actually go down to planning and zoning and apply for a permit. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a whole nother episode of a different flavor. None of those TV shows are permitted. None of them. Not a single one. Uh, That would be another three hour series. (laughs) And is it important that we permit? Absolutely. Yes. Did you, want, did you want me to opine more than that? No, there's no other ifs, ands, or buts about it. You want to, uh, you want to make sure you've got those permits pulled. Yeah. In our communities, is in the process of trying to make that whole, you know, application process easier. But it's, you know, it's far from there yet. But, yeah. but the 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 short answer is, yes, you have to get a permit if it's required, and you can usually get that information online, mm-hmm. so you don't have to go into the office. But uh, we just put a house in the market. Actually, it sold pretty quick, but um, original owner built in the early 1990s. He, they finished the basement themselves in the 90s when the permits weren't really a, a push item. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting all, we were getting all kinds of questions. Well, you know, did they pull permits? And if not, why not? And I mean, there's yeah. how many questions on the disclosure with permits now? Uh, several. 12 pages. Of 12 pages, yes. Yeah. 12 <laughs> pages of questions, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you would have talked to 10 years ago, Randy... I would have said, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. pull permits. Yeah. But now that you see what some have done or what kind of trouble you can get yourself into by not doing it mm-hmm. down the road and what kind of liabilities you would have to hold, yeah, yeah, absolutely take care of that stuff. So one of the reasons that we started this conversation today mm-hmm. is because I was, we love to, <clears throat> and I especially love to go out and network with past clients and people um, in the community, i.e. I get to have lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or a good cup of coffee. <laughs> or a good cup of coffee. But I had lunch recently with a past client, and I hadn't seen her in years. Um, so it was really fun to reconnect. But, you know, due to some personal 
uh, medical and financial issues. They haven't done a lot to the house since they bought it. And we had a really, really, really great lunch just visiting and catching up about life. And then in the last three minutes, she said, I'm supposed to pick your brain about what should we do next? Um, we really at some point want to move out in the country, but you know, we haven't done anything to the house. And um, you know, we've saved up some money. Do we invest it in this house? Do we try and sell this house? you know, as it is, and then save that money for a down payment, what do we do? And we get those conversations a lot. Um, so we talked a little bit about, in their personal circumstances, what they should do with the money that they had saved and where to invest and what not to invest in. But I think that's why we kind of started here, because sometimes people come to us and say, I want to do this huge addition and then I'm going to sell in two years. So when you're out with buyers, when or past clients, when is the right time to call a real estate agent and say, come, should I do this? Will I get my money back? When's the right time to get us in involved? Um, when you're putting your budget together and, and actually in the process of, of, of doing it, I think, you know, because we all go through these stages of sitting at home and dreaming about projects and, mm -hmm. and knowing we've got projects to do. We all have those. But at the point where you're going to actually put a pencil to paper and or write a check, um, you know, you need you need to have a second opinion. Would you would you agree? To Absolutely. That? Yeah. And I think I even would say give us a call when it's just an idea. Yeah. When you have that idea where you realize that your kids are no longer elementary school kids anymore, they're high school kids, or getting into high school, they're two feet taller than they were when you bought mm -hmm. your house. Maybe you have one more kid and you need more room. Yeah. You maybe need larger rooms. What should you do? Should you? Does it work to, to sell your house and to find something larger? And I'm actually meeting with somebody this afternoon where that's the case. By the what, what are you doing this afternoon? Do you, are you free? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mean to put you on the spot. Um, but yeah, that's exactly the conversation we're going to have is where are you at? What, what updates have you done? And what should you do to get top dollar for your current house? To upgrade. And these are repeat clients of yours, right? Of ours. Yeah. And yeah. so, and that's always interesting as well because, you know, you know what the house looked like originally yeah. and you knew what their plans were. And then like we're talking about life happens, your family grows and jobs change and expectations change. And then you get there and sometimes we're pleasantly surprised, but it, it is always interesting to go back to a past client's house and kind of coach them through, you know, what needs to happen from, from where they left off. Yeah. So I'm getting ready to do a project, and I... Um, is this for real or is this pretend? No, we've done our projects. Okay. I just clarified. <laughs> we're getting into Christmas, and she's telling you the project right, that right, you are right. about to get started she on. She had a serious look in her face like, oh, no. I haven't talked to you about this yet, but... Oh, dear. No, we, we are, I think, done doing projects, except for there is that one. Yeah. Um, Next. Yeah. But um, so I'm getting ready to do a project, and I call, I call one of... One of us up and and say, come on over. I want to talk to you about this. Um, let's say they want to. Um, let's say they want to do the big add-on. 
They want to add on maybe a four season porch at the back of the house, maybe extend the foundation down in so that they've got like an office in the basement, that kind of a project. When does that make sense? Because that's a big project. It, it is, and it is such a hard one to answer because even when you were describing that scenario, I feel my gut tighten a little bit because it is a huge risk. Anytime you add on to your house, it's, it's a huge risk unless you're out on an acreage and you're going to be there indefinitely where you're not outpacing your neighbors. Uh, when you live in a defined neighborhood within any city limit of, a, of an area that would be in our listening area, um, and you're going to invest in an addition, first of all, they're very expensive. You're going to be quite surprised mm -hmm. at how expensive they are. And then you're going to quickly outprice the neighborhood. So in that sense, it's almost better to look at a different house in a different neighborhood, in my opinion. I don't know that we have ever, and that's a big word, in 23 years, looked at an addition and said, yes, this makes sense for you. Um, well, I'm thinking of an example, and they did go ahead and do it. So, but they stayed there for a long time. No, I'm not giving you a name. Are they still there? <laughs> so, um, Southwest. You know, so they did. They did go ahead and do it, um, and have lived there long enough to enjoy it. But um, you go when? When does it make sense? So you're saying an addition really doesn't make sense because it alters the appearance of the home. So you have to make sure maybe you have an architect involved so that aesthetically the house doesn't look quirky. Yeah, and I think all of that then factors back to the, the cost equation because when you say addition, it's going to cost $30,000 to put a shovel in the ground mm -hmm. and you haven't done anything, I mean, so to speak. You know, an addition on your house is going to cost you thirty to seventy to sky's the limit, depending on what you're going to do. Well, and if you're extending foundation and foundation walls, mm -hmm. kind of addition, that's huge. I mean, you could very yep. easily end up close to six digits yep. with something Absolutely. big enough when you have to put the concrete. And now, my neighbors in our in our neighborhood, they put an addition on, but it was a sunroom. Yep. So it's an extension, but it's raised. So underneath it, you it, it's basically a really nice deck but it's four season and i think a four season we see them screened in areas or or sunrooms like that i mean th mm -hmm. that makes probably more sense than a than a usable big add-on you know family rooms and master bedrooms and all those kinds of things Be and also the difference there is you live in a neighborhood of large lot homes where your every house doesn't necessarily look like Right. The next door neighbor, mm -hmm. and also in the area that you're in, there's a there's a vast difference in pricing, yeah. which is not true of a typical northwest close in burb where sure. everything is priced within a few thousand dollars of the same and looks like the same. I think there's probably more risk in that area. So, like in your area, you have a lot more room to to add. And that's an interesting thought, Ron, because if you lived in, <clears throat> let's say, a northwest neighborhood and your house looked like everybody else's, you might have the perception that that add-on would set your house apart from the other houses mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. But in fact, it could backfire on you and make your house too expensive 
compared to the other houses around you so that somebody who actually has the money to pay for your house doesn't probably want to live there. They want to live in another neighborhood where the homes are a little more yep. equal. To simplify it, it's called overbuilding for the neighborhood. You know, you're, you're overpricing and overbuilding. So that, and we, we've seen a few examples of that in, in um, uh, Elton Hills, where we've taken a, a really great 1950s or 60s home and put a huge addition on the back. Um, and then it kind of looks from the front like everybody else's house, but it's fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars more. Yeah. And then they're going, well, maybe do I want to live in a different neighborhood, or do I want to live here? Now, in some metropolitan areas, and Twin Cities is our closest one, they are doing that. They yeah. are tearing down those nineteen fifty homes, and that's kind of unfortunate in my mind. But building great big. Yep. new houses on those lots and that's working for that market so again calling your real estate professional and going what works in my market what's mm -hmm. going to work in my neighborhood compared to you know what's happening in the rochester area that and proof that i different. that i don't watch enough tv enough hgtv is that when i was out in denver and we were walking the neighborhoods there and that's one of those markets too that is outrageous especially where a uh, really good friend of mine lives uh, not too far from Cherry Creek. So he's mm -hmm. in a well-developed area, but there are a lot of pop-tops. And I had no idea what a pop-top was. I, I have no heard. idea what a pop-top so is. So you've got a home that was built, say, in the 20s or 30s. And not only so they can't build front, back, or sideways, they'll cut the tops off these homes and put another story or two on top. So they'll pop the top off, build up, and put a new roof on. So you can see these new builds, they're on old homes where they just extend them upwards. So maybe they only have, uh, some, more often than not, no main floor bathroom. So on the second floor, they might have two bedrooms and a bath, and they want a four bed, so they'll just pop the top, put again. two more beds and a bath on a third level. Interesting. Well, and they have to do that. I mean, they have to be patterning like brownstones in the yeah. East Coast and things like that. To be to where land is at a premium, they go up yeah. rather than out. <clears throat> so that is now. See in Minnesota, if you keep a this is used to be true. Correct me if I'm wrong. I I could be, but it used to be that if you kept at least a foundation wall, it was considered a remodel, mm -hmm. and so it it was perceived differently by the counties that you lived in. So I'm wondering if that would be more of a remodel. Then, Perhaps, yeah. yeah. I think some of these still are taking homes where they could sell now for 600000 And right next door, you've got one that has, the, has had the pop top done, and they're close to a million. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild, too, what they're tearing down and rebuilding in those neighborhoods. Right. That is, that is kind of a trend right now. And, and part of me is really sad about that because some of those houses built in the 50s, 60s are... I mean, structurally, they're great houses. Yeah. They they are great houses, but it people's lifestyles have changed, and they live differently than we did back mm -hmm. then. They didn't want necessarily the smaller rooms. In our communities, it, it's happening here, not to the scale, but when you look at uh, some of the development that's happening in Kutsky Park, where they're taking down a home and building really nice uh, duplex, fourplex, triplex, and um, I can think of three instances right down in what we call Pill Hill, where we had some of these really nice early, you know, 19th century houses uh, have been either totally revamped into something that looks 
new or is new. Uh, there's one situation where a house was completely taken out and a new one put in. So it is happening here as well. Yeah. Speaking of the, uh, I'm chasing a squirrel here, but you mentioned Elton Hills. My mother-in-law and father-in-law live in Elton Hills. And, Do they uh, want to sell? They Eventually. <laughs> uh, but they are doing a big remodel, and oh, I are. think it's a good one for them. They're not going to be adding on anything, but they're going to be remodeling the kitchen. So they're going to do a big kitchen update. Nice. Here. So it's going to be, I think, involving floors, appliances, counters, cupboards, uh, just use and enjoyment. But that'll be a big payoff because they're still, you know, maybe 10 years out, you nice. know, five to 10 years out. From... So that's a great segue, Randy, because we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about what not to do necessarily, but what does make sense. And a kitchen remodel, in my mind... If you're not selling for three, four years, a kitchen remodel is nobody wants to do a kitchen remodel. So if you do it, it's Mm -hmm. going to have perceived value. Kitchens and bathrooms both. If you do them and you do them well, Mm -hmm. that money comes back to you. Yep. And that's going to pay off big when it is time for them to sell. Because I think the, the nice thing about houses comparing to cars there's nothing I could do to my old rusty Ford pickup truck to make it look any better to get a good return on investment but a house to take something that's good that works but to really give it a shiny update i mean that's that's going to put a lot of that's pretty exciting for them because to to put that in context they're talking about updating a 19 late 50s 60s kitchen um and they've opened up that third bedroom part of their dining room so if they you know really do that space well and i remember what they paid for that house they paid for that i mean they paid yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of equity. Right. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yep. It'll be a good choice for them. Yeah. Yeah. So what else? We've got kitchens. We've got bathrooms. What else makes sense when you're when you're looking at projects? Um, remodel. What um, before, you know, for use and enjoyment, if you're going to sell within the next two to three years, what else makes sense? You know, we, we always have to circle back to what we're going to call the, the more simple top-tier updates, and that's going to be your carpet, your paint, your appliances, and that also includes your light fixtures and your plumbing fixtures. Um, all of those things can be done over a period of time on a budget, uh, but they definitely make a difference on how a house is going to to look and market, especially when you consider that you know, trends change every five to 10 years in what we view as current. So if you're in a house that is 20 years old and still has the original plumbing fixtures, they're out of date. And you can easily contact a, a, a reputable plumber in town if you need a reference, give us a, a call and have them come in for not a lot of money and update your fixtures. But we don't think about those much yeah. at all. I have a question for you. If you lived in a 1980s split level, Average fixtures all the way around. At what point do you recommend or think it's a good idea to update trim and doors? So you've got the old hollow panel wood doors. Some of them might not be closing the way they should anymore. When do you put the six panel solid wood doors on and, and redo the trim? It's an 80s house? Yeah. Soon. Yeah. I think, you know, when you when you look at a house that's in that uh, 30 to 40 year range, it's... If it's had reasonable updates, even if it's had no updates at all, it's time you're 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 bumping up to the next level. Yeah, um, the trim and doors package, along with the things we just mentioned, you're also starting to look at that point if you haven't already kitchen and bathroom. So, at a 40-year-old house is really kind of at a tipping point, whereas the money you're going to spend, how much has been done, if anything, 
And if nothing, it could be a sizable investment. And then a follow-up question for you is if a buyer or yeah, a seller, soon-to-be seller, is asking you that question, they say, well, I can do that myself. I can do the trim and the doors. Do you recommend that they do that? Oh, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, you know, it's such a hard question to ask because everybody has different skill sets. And um, I won't take this personally, by the way. Can I, can I say something? Oh, yeah. You can we, always. Used to, we used to work with a painter. And yes. he said, everyone can paint, not everyone should paint. And that describes it totally. <laughs> yeah. Because we've seen people who have the right tools and the right skill set, and maybe they're not, uh, you know, employed as a finished carpenter, but they can do it and nobody can tell. Uh, but if you are listening to HDTV and you're taking guidance from the guy at Home Depot or gal at Home Depot, and you come home with all these brand new tools and have never cut a 45 to, to, to trim, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, you should not be oh doing my it yourself. Goodness, so that's not an easy task. It isn't. So I think really it's about understanding what your limits and limitations are and what your skill set is. And, and then the house that we're actually living in, um, even though I was skilled at a lot of those things moderately, I chose to be the guy that would do the demo in Holloway and hire somebody to come in and I would work alongside them. But ultimately you can be investing money but if you're doing the work yourself yeah. and are not skilled enough to make it look professional you could be downgrading versus upgrading and never forget how discerning of an eye a buyer can have absolutely when they're coming through you you th you take a lot of pride in your work and you're doing a lot of good stuff but buyers have sharp eyes they know what they're looking at it is the one thing that i when we were working on this final home of ours our final home <clears throat> yeah as far as a, as far as a remodel yes um it's one of the things that i did admire about ron because he did he did do what he says he did a lot of the dirty grunt work and demo and pulling things out and that saved us a lot of money but then he did hire the tradespeople to come in and and work with him and that i think that that shows even even you know on some of the front trim work you you were very careful to make sure that those people had um you know, find skills rather than just somebody who needed a few extra dollars. Because you can have all the, the skill, the tools, and the know-how, but if you don't have the experience, and that's where we're not discerning when we watch the YouTube videos for hours yeah. on how to hang sheetrock. Right. I mean, you can understand how to do it. You can, you can buy the right tools. You can buy the right materials. You can, you can have the right application methods in your mind but you don't have the repetitive refinement of doing it over and over and over to make mm -hmm. it look right. So as much as we talk about HGTV, the YouTube, and I'm, I'm an avid YouTuber, but there is the experience that most average people lack. Uh, what are you laughing at? Well, I'm just, I'm thinking of an example of a, a someone we know that went to California for the first time and decided oh, this that, is they a were, funny story. <clears throat> that they were going to teach themselves how to surf. Oh. with a YouTube video and so went out in the water twice and that didn't work out so well and so <laughs> and so they came back and they started watching more YouTube videos and Ron said what are you doing and they said I'm not going to do this surf thing I'm just going to be a surfing instructor and tell people <laughs> I'm really good at the process at this point I just can't so, do it myself 
So oh. that, but when you take that to the level of some of those home projects, that is kind of the thought, the mentality yes. that we drop into of, well, I'll just watch this on YouTube and I can get this figured out. Yeah. Yeah, and you can get it figured out. It's just the experience that you lack of, of, of the actual application, how to do it. Right. I would only add one more thing to the conversation, and it's not a remodeling thing, but it's more of a project thing, is we always have something to do. And just like bad news never ages well, you want to address it as quickly as possible. Those little things that you need to work on don't age well. Take care of some of those little projects around your house that you can on your own, that, that small things, or maybe it's slightly larger, but have, you know, a professional come in and take care of it. Like, what are you thinking? I of? am thinking of just the regular maintenance stuff. You don't want to delay on the mm-hmm. very, the very basic stuff that we talk about all the time. You know, your gutters and downspouts. But I've also had another one where this wasn't too long ago. Somebody knocked on the door in my house really loudly, and it was about 10 a.m., which is really strange in my neighborhood and my dogs were going nuts and I went to the door and there was nobody there now all of us love a pileated woodpecker right they're beautiful oh, no. pileateds are there you see them and you're like wow I just saw there's a pileated woodpecker trying to break into my house <laughs> and they could side. get in and they this guy or gal put a gigantic hole in the cedar siding in real short order yeah real short amount of time so those are the things you know i get on the ladder plug yep. the hole yeah and uh every once in a while owen will say dad there's the pileate it's back because it's <laughs> it sounds like someone is taking their fist and pounding on the door they're huge I, birds they're really big they are big birds <laughs> and when you have wood siding mm-hmm. they're gonna find a, yeah. a spot to try to dig a little hole i think that's the difference of a house that's always been loved versus one where they just come in and whitewash it to get it ready to market so we go to a listing appointment. Anybody can go through and get a few gallons of paint slapped on the walls and new carpet. Anybody can do that. Yeah. But when you have all these little things that add up, um, and, and I call it the house has always been loved, you can tell the difference between a house that's been quickly made ready for market versus a house that has been lived in and cared for all the years. It just, it shows in all of those details. Yeah. That's all I would say is hop out those little projects whenever you get them. Yeah. And we, we do tend to, I think all of us are guilty at some point of, of procrastinating on things. Yeah, and whether it's just time resources or picking up the phone to call somebody. I mean, yeah, those, those little things, they, they don't, that's right. They don't age well. Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. That's, I love that. Yeah. Bad news doesn't get any better with <laughs> <It> age. Neither <laughs> so does a house project. So it doesn't make, when does it make sense to do hardwoods versus carpet? I mean, we always talk paint and carpet, but if somebody's thinking about putting hardwoods through their home, when does it make sense to do hardwoods versus just putting new carpet in? I think that that's going to depend, again, on how long you're going to be there and your living style and and um, what your ultimate goal is because any hard surface flooring and hardwoods, if you've not looked at them lately, I mean, sky's the limit as far as choices from, from installed in-place finish to factory finish to... Yeah. Hybrids. I mean, they're, it's, they're doing amazing things with, with hard surface flooring. But hard surface flooring can be two, three, four times the cost of carpet. So um, for me, um, I'm going to ask you, how long are you going to be there and what's the purpose of putting it in? Because if you're putting it into market, it's not going to make sense unless it's a room that is surrounded by hardwood and it just needs to be there. Yeah. 
we're having the same discussion in our house. Do we replace our carpet with carpet or do we put hardwoods in? And then a year or two ago, the easy answer was we're going to put in the hard flooring and maybe not hardwood because I don't know if I want to maintain a hardwood floor five years from now and refinish it or to put in one of the newer, you know, not luxury vinyl per se, but some of the new artificials are fantastic. They are. And and the interesting thing about those floors, um, the LVPs that we're talking about, um, they're going in all price points, you know, from yeah. 200 yeah. to almost a million dollar homes. And it really talks, uh, speaks to living style and, and how much upkeep you do or don't want to do. And do you have pets and do you have kids? And right. I mean, there's some fantastic products out there that are, that are totally manufactured, but you would never know. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. they're great choices. Mm-hmm. Just going to have to put some rugs on ours. And the reason why I said a year or two ago is because I had three healthy dogs where if yeah. one puppy makes a mistake, you're like, that's easy to clean up. But now that I've got a 14-year-old and she's oh, yeah, yeah, slipping yeah. or paws or moving, then I'm thinking, poor baby, yeah. needs carpet. <laughs> it's funny what kind of decisions we make in life. I'm not even thinking five years down the road. Oh, because of my dog, I'm making this life choice. Yeah. Anyway. Well, should we call it quits? We're at 37 minutes of... 37 minutes Joyous of joyous podcast uh, time. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, I, th- I, th- I think that uh, it's it's always fun to talk about these things. And whether you want to give us a, a shout out on uh, via phone or uh, email, or certainly invite us out for coffee, we'll even buy lunch. Oh, of course, we'll even buy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these are these are fun things. It's probably the most fun in my mind of of my job is being able to explore these things and help people make these decisions. Even if you're not looking at moving, it's just kind of fun to to help guide along these lines. So do feel free to to give us a call at any time. And giving us a call does not mean that if you're looking for advice and you're three or four or five years down the road, we're not going to call and text you every day or week. No, that's not our style. To say, when are you going to (laughs) sell? We are happy to help. Sometimes the conversation is about how can you stay in your house longer, and sometimes the conversation is how quickly can you find an update. So. Yeah, and and not to get in the weeds here, but I had that conversation on on Monday night with some people. You know, the reasons they were telling me that they were moving, I wasn't real sure that they were good reasons to move. And I said, "Have you thought about these things and their circumstances?" And some of them they had, some of them they hadn't. But absolutely, you know, that is our our style. Our 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 whole process here is to help coach and provide information and not push. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We're the Whiteman Brock Real Estate Advisors. Our phone number is 507-208-2246. Did I nail it? Or you did. Did I? Yeah, by memory. Because, I mean, (laughs) now I just get Ron. Or 507-421-6486. Our email address is info at whitemanbrock.com, W-I-G-H-T-M-A-N-B-R-O-C-K.com. And, of course, that's our website as well. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining. Have a great day.